I was saying, man, if we would just apply what we are being heard and what God is saying through us, if we would seriously take a look at Jesus and apply all these things, we wouldn't have all the half of the trouble we have. I mean, think about it. If you would apply and do the things, everybody, it's all individual. If we would really do that, we wouldn't have so many people in counseling. Because he's the great counselor. We wouldn't have so many people on certain medications to try to do other things for their life. You see what I'm saying? I'm telling you right now, the word of God is life changing. It's the, it's the truth. It's the gospel. It's the good news. We have to apply what we're hearing. So we've been in, uh, we started this year out about the, uh, the mission. Focusing on the mission. I want to reread that to you. What is the mission? To bear witness of who he is and the glory of his name. Let me say that one more time. To bear witness to who he is and the glory of his name. How do we focus on this mission? What do we do in this mission? We guard the evidence. We got to know him. We got to live it. We got to share it. Listen, and how do we do that? Well, first, we got to guard it. And if you're new and you're like, what's all this stuff going on up here? Just making a point. It's time to guard the evidence. And if you missed last week, go back and listen to it. Because it was raw. It was in your face. It was about you. It was about where you lay your head. Guard the evidence at your home. We easily try to get it all for Jesus in the moment at church. But we put our guard down at home. And so what a great sermon and all the different angles that were, were talked about to bringing us all together. So I'm just saying um, it's time to guard the evidence. It's, it's guard the evidence of what he's doing in the church and what he's doing in your life and what he's doing in your home because God wants to do something great. I almost went out to somebody's house and whether it was permission or not, I was going to wrap up their house in caution tape and tape, take a video of it and picture, make a point. I know. I will do it. Don't tell me I won't do it. <laughs> but just to make a point, like we got to guard the evidence in our homes. Our homes are so vital. We have to do that. And so where we are right now in this moment as a church and together, we've talked about guarding the evidence in general about the Ark of the Covenant, bringing it back and guarding it and letting it be known and letting it be in the center of it all. And we hit on home. And then last week we got deep. We dug into the home. This week with this, with this kind of guard the evidence with the mission, we are going to focus on the eyewitness. The eyewitness. Let me just tell you this, and then we're going to switch gears. An eyewitness is a person who personally seen something happen so, and so can give a first-hand description of it. An eyewitness is a person who personally seen something happen and can give a first-person perspective of it. Do you realize an eyewitness shifts the whole deal with court? I can't have somebody else say, well, I heard that. That's what I heard. That doesn't stand in court. But an eyewitness that would makes the claim they, they were there, they saw it happen, that shifts whether they're guilty or, or not in court. An eyewitness is so vital. Even to the fact we've had phone call, some, there was a wreck out here a couple weeks ago and somebody left a message and just wondering if there was a camera to give an eyewitness of that wreck so they can prove what ha actually happened. Or early this morning, you know, church starts at 10.30, but we're here before 8. So I pull up, and there's a, there's a vehicle in the parking lot, not in the parking lot, in the grass at an angle with the lights on and the flicker on. And I drive over, and I get out, and there's a person laid back and all a mess. And I'm like, one, is this person dead? For real? And I, I knocked on the door and opened it, and I said, are you okay? And it startled him. I said, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I was just, he didn't know what he was doing. His pants were undone. His, he was a mess. He, I don't know if he overdosed. I don't know what the deal was. I said, I just was wondering because you're just in the grass out here, and you're laid over. And he ended up just 
I said, do you need help? Do you need to come inside? No, you don't have to turn them away because they're not in where they're supposed to be in the parking lot. You see what I'm saying? Do you need to come inside? Do you need something? Do you need a drink? Do you need to sit down? Do you need to go lay down on the couch? I ain't afraid of that. And listen, whether that happened or not, I'm still guarding the evidence. And he started his vehicle and left. And then real shaky, and I was like, uh, something happened. But I was an eyewitness to whatever was right there in that moment. And it startled him. It kind of startled me at first because there's a car by the pole and he, somebody laid over in it. But there's times where eyewitnesses. Has anybody in this room ever been an eyewitness to an accident? Raise your hand. Man, there's a lot of crazy accidents out here. Does anybody realize how weird people drive in the snow and rain? Just saying. Um, have you ever been an eyewitness to a, uh, like a house fire or something crazy like that? Yeah. So in eyewitness account, what happens most of the time, it's just a lot of talk. Do you notice that they come out of the woodwork when the police are in the neighborhood? They'd be wearing, it's like we're at Walmart all over again, just on the corner block. All kinds of craziness, walking out, looking and seeing what's going on. And then they give their account. You know, we, you know, that house has always been crazy, you know, because, you know, they've always got traffic in and out. And, and we try to give our own weird eyewitnesses to certain things. And we try to justify it. I've been an eyewitness to an accident where the fact, you know, you see that and then you have other eyewitnesses. So you step back and wonder if, you know, do I need to make a statement or not? Well, the statement I had to make is because I saw the car flip and I jumped in the back seat and pulled the person out. Well, being bloody and busted up with glass, I had to give an account for my eyewitness. I wasn't just an eyewitness. I actually took the steps to go forward after that. And, and what I had to deal with over here in Fort Harrison. Just went into, I'll call later, I'm going to save first. That, that was just the mode I was in. But I was an eyewitness, but I couldn't just sit there and just wait for the police when somebody's dangling and a baby's crying. I'm jumping in. Whether it's on fire or not, I'm saving somebody. You know, that's just me. Some people won't be like that. But when you're an eyewitness, there's a, there's a job. There, something changes. Something changes in, inside of you, and, and, and you see something, so you have to tell. And so we're, we're going to get into this real quick about this eyewitness. Mama, I'll have you open this up. And... We're going to take an account from an eyewitness to what happened. And I'm telling you right now, I hope you're ready today, what God is about to do. We're coming into an investigation scene of the death of a man that's been dead for four days. We've secured the scene and we've noticed as we approach the scene that the man has been in a tomb with a stone covered it four days. This scene is not like other scenes of a body laying on a ground. But this investigation is different. So one comes on the scene to analyze the situation. But he didn't get there for four days later. There were many eyewitnesses at this scene with the man that's been dead for four days. The man's sisters, Martha and Mary, were upset with this man that didn't show up on, that, on their timing. They didn't think he cared, and the delay in her, their life was not easy to handle. And I think sometimes there, there's delays in our life, and sometimes it's hard to handle. And so we go into this scene of Lazarus, and that he's been dead for four days. And Mary was the one that was at, at Jesus' feet in a time before. And Martha was taking care of the house. The day, a few days before that, he came to their home. So he knew Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Very good friends. Can you imagine that you had a good friend, and all of a sudden somebody passed, and the next thing you know? And you know that man walks in miracles, but he didn't show up. Have you ever had a place where you think God's going to show up, but he didn't show up on your timing? Oh, Mom, it's like... If there's a, an emergency and you call 911 and you need an ambulance because somebody's dying in your house and they don't show up for four days, what are you going to do? I needed you four days ago. 
I needed you. Actually, when I called you, I already needed you an hour earlier or a half hour before that. Imagine calling an ambulance on somebody that you love so dearly and they don't show up. The police don't show up. Nobody shows up but four days later. But they, they, they think they didn't, he didn't care. They thought that he, their prayers weren't answered. Do you ever think that your prayers are not answered? Because they prayed and they said, somebody needs to go get Jesus. But there was a delay. And here's this scene. You would think that you come up on a scene like you did, Brandon, with, with a car. And all of a sudden, you know, there's an accident. This was a scene with a man in a tomb. Wrapped up like these people that were standing up here with their toilet paper. Like you, Dakota, all wrapped up. Kaylee, you was all wrapped up. You ever been wrapped up in stuff that you didn't like? And then there was a delay because you were still in the tomb. And then sometimes you didn't think he cared. What do you think Lazarus thought? And here's Jesus looking at the disciples saying, he's just asleep. They said, what do you mean he's just asleep? And I love when, when Jesus looked over the disciples and said, listen to this. John eleven four 4 in the message says, when Jesus got... The message, he said, this sickness is not fatal. This sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's son. He's not saying this to Martha and Mary. He's saying this to the disciples. He said, this, this sickness is not fatal. This is to show God's glory and show the glory of his son. Now they're looking at him like, and here, here he's, they've been traveling with him all this time. And they're looking at him going, what do you mean? They still didn't have eyes open to see it. They still didn't even know. Because even Martha and Mary, they only knew him as a teacher and a friend. They didn't know him as the resurrected Christ. They hadn't seen him like that yet. When Jesus arrived and he saw all the eyewitnesses, he said, remove the stone. Ah. Uh, when Jesus arrived on the scene four days later, and here she is, she's going, you got to be kidding me. You came four days later. He's already dead. You ever had a situation that you feel like your dream is already dead, and then he arrives? And all of a sudden you're thinking, man, it's already dead. Why are you here now? And he said, don't you even know? You know me as a teacher and you know me as a friend, but you're going to see me like you've never seen me before. I love this. Martha said, when they said to roll the stone away, and I thought about worship. Sometimes we don't roll the stone away in our own self so the true worship can come. When the stones rolled away, the true resurrection can come. And I thought about not just this worship, I thought about us as worship. Sometimes we got stones in front of our hearts that we can't really let the resurrection of God come and the glory of God come because we still have that stone in our life. You ever had kidney stones? That's, that's very painful. But see, things have to be released out of our life. John 4, 1140 says in the message, when Jesus looked in Martha's eyes and said, didn't I tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? Everything changes. I'll never be the same with just one look. He said, didn't I tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? God often brings delays his work in us in order to accomplish something for his purpose, for his mission, for his glory. Sometimes he brings delays for his purpose, for his mission, for it. And sometimes you think because of your delay, you think it's over. When in reality, it's for a purpose, for a mission, and for his glory. So you complain, you don't think he cares, you don't think he loves you anymore, so you turn your eyes to something else, and then it's idolatry, it's perversion, and it's all these other things because you turned your eyes instead of putting your eyes upon... He bent down and looked right at her. 
said, if you would just see, look at me. How many, he's pursuing us. You think, oh, I'm pursuing him and I'll pursue him in my own timing. No, he's pursuing us. We're the bride. He's the beloved bridegroom. If you're getting married, are you pursuing her, Sam? You better pursue her. I saw you over there. You better pursue her. It's very important because sometimes think we don't think that we're a bride. We don't think that we have this garment on us to be prepared. Are you kidding me? So there's a delay. Can you imagine a bride being delayed? And she's been waiting all along back in the back room. She's got dressed. She's got ready. And there's a delay. We're in a delay right here. For the coming of the Lord. Hello? I got so much running through my head. Mary and Martha. Martha came first and Martha says, had you just been here sooner? The whole time I'm sitting there thinking about that, and I'm like, man, sometimes God delays coming because he's trying to kill something in you so that he can resurrect it better. That's right. I'm preaching way better than y'all talking. I'm just That's telling right. you right now. That's because some things in you need to die. That's right. I believe that there were some things in Lazarus that had to die right. so that God could re- resurrect him into something greater. Sometimes there's a delay in your life because there's some things that need to die in you. And, and trust me, he's on his way. It's just not going to come when you think it should come. Sometimes you're in the midst of your struggle and, and you're like, God, where are you? God, where are you? He's on his way. He just ain't going to show up on your time. He's trying to let doubt die in you so that faith can arise. He's trying to resurrect some things in you that have been dormant and sleeping. That's why when he looked at the disciples, he said, he's not dead. He's just asleep. There's been some people sleeping in the church. Some things in you sleeping that need to be resurrected. And you're calling out to God, well, what's my purpose? Why ain't this happening? Why ain't that happening? It's because he's on his way, but he's got to let some things die in you first. The stone's been rolled in front of you because you've let religion contain you rather rather than presence. Religion's rolled itself in front of you and it's blocked you from receiving the things that God wants you to receive. And so Jesus shows up on the scene and Martha's like, why couldn't you come sooner? He said, but see, what you don't understand is I am doing this for a purpose. You're going to see your brother rise again. I know he will. He's going to rise in the second resurrection. No, you don't understand. The resurrection just showed up. You think it's only going to happen when the trumpet sounds, but I'm going to tell you it's going to happen when my voice releases what's inside of me. I am the resurrection. I am the life. You don't have to seek it somewhere else. It's standing right in front of you. I'm standing right in front of you. And here's the crazy thing. The Bible says that Mary was still sitting at the house. She was mad. We got a lot of mad people still sitting in their house. (laughs) <laughs> you really got mad when we wrap people in toilet paper because you're hungry for it. <laughs> anyway, whatever. <laughs> so, yep, you're wasting money. You just wrap people. It's okay. We'll give it to you in a, in a trash bag afterwards. You can take it home. But listen, <laughs> it's messed up, ain't it? There's a shortage, yes. But you know what's interesting is Mary, Mary when she was at her house, the, the beginning of it, she went out of his feet. Yeah. And then she went, she wouldn't come out of her house, but when she got to him, she went to his feet. But then she said, Master, if you only had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She went to his feet again, but she was asking a question instead of sitting there at his feet at the beginning. But here's my struggle in that. My struggle is, is this is the same Mary that wiped his feet with her tears. Yeah. She knew the posture she was supposed to be in, but all of a sudden circumstances dictated how she worshiped. I'm going to sit back in my seat in my pity party and I'm going to let people gather around me and, and pet my need instead of worshiping my way through. 
I know that it's not arrived yet, but he's in transit. So can I just worship while he's in transit? Or I'm going to sit here and I'm going to sit in self-pity and worry about what's going on and, and, and be delayed in my worship. See, the problem is that she was delayed in her worship because he was delayed in his coming. He wants to see if you'll just go ahead and worship even though he's delayed. Because he's going to show up when it's time to show up. Because when he shows up, he gets the glory, not you. If he showed up when she wanted him, she gets the glory. I brought Jesus today. Yeah, but if God, listen to me. If God did things the way that you thought they should be done, then who would really be in control? If God did things the way that you thought they should be done, who would be in control in your life? And the point of it is, is that God was trying to give Mary an eyewitness account to know that I am the King of Kings. I am the Lord of Lords. I am the one who is in control. And the problem of it is, is we as people... See, God says that now faith is the evidence of things hoped for yet not seen. You know, that scripture that says that that we've been talking about in the whole time. But the thing about it is, is that's faith. But the problem with people is we have to see things to believe them. And I think that what happened at this moment was it wasn't about Lazarus. It wasn't about Mary. It wasn't about everything of just who they were and their circumstance. It wasn't about that. What it was about is that God used those circumstances so that there could be an eyewitness to the coming of the coming of the Lord. It was about the resurrection of the King of Kings who was getting ready to take place. He used Lazarus as a precursor to show that this is what I'm getting ready to do, but not just in him as a literal physicality but in you spiritually I'm getting ready to resurrect you so that you can walk out of the tomb of your soul and begin to walk into me as who I am and live in it in eternity it's the same as the bride it's the same as where we're standing right now it's the same exact thing it's in in first Corinthians 13 12 it says this now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. See, the problem of it is, is that in order for you to be an eyewitness account of who God is, you have to let him see you in the entirety of who you are. And you want to be that eyewitness account to God of who he is in your life and show others that. But the problem of it is, is you're not opening yourself up enough to be able to be seen. What I love about this scripture is when the stone was rolled away, Lazarus didn't hesitate one bit to walk out in his grave clothes. He came out of that grave in his stench, in his smell, in the stink, in the rot, in the death, and in the disgusting. And what he did is he bared himself in the full true value of what he was at that very minute so that God could see him and begin to unravel through the people who are the hands and the feet that are the eyewitnesses. That's the job of the church. That's the account that you give. That's the power of the eyewitness. Because what happens is when you have an eyewitness account of God, it doesn't only change the reflection of what you see, but it changes the reflection of what others see around you. God is trying to get us from going to a partial picture and to the fullness of who he is. It's the goal. He wants us to see the fullness of the glory of who he is. And I think that we have to understand that we are made for God. And our lives aren't for anything else. That your circumstance is meant for his glory and your growth. And growth is the benefit to maturity to fully see God in the midst of your circumstance as evidence of truth. God uses all your circumstances for the growth. And the problem of it is, is I think what happens is just like these people were all wrapped up down here in that game that we played. But the problem of it is, is so many of you are so wrapped up in your circumstances that you aren't willing to see clearly the evidence of God and the truth of who he is in your life. He's wanting to open it up. And what's so funny is that God will use other people to help unravel you if you'll allow it. He will do that. And so I believe that what's crazy about an eyewitness, you said it turns the case. Brandon, you said that the eyewitness account turns the case, and that's the point. 
What we do as an eyewitness will change the case of who God is in this world. Yeah. You guys with me? This, Jesus. This is so good. Because God is looking for some eyewitnesses. I mean, we got some, we got some crazy things happening in this story. First of all, sisters with Jesus the first time. Mary's at the feet of Jesus. Martha's in the kitchen getting a meal ready for Jesus, getting everything prepared, making sure you got some iced tea or some lemonade or whatever he needed. Martha's getting butt hurt because Mary's just sitting with Jesus and not moving a muscle to help her prepare the meal for Jesus. She's all tore up and mad about it. And Jesus confronts the situation and says, Mary is right where she needs to be. Basically, at my feet. Switch gears. Now we got somebody telling Jesus that they need to get over there. Lazarus, something happened to Lazarus. Jesus says, he's asleep. People can get really upset and, and, and frustrated with people because, well, why would you say that? You're just taking it lightly. You don't take this serious? No, he's just sleeping. Guys, hear me real quick. I didn't know if Jesus had a cell phone or an email, a rotary phone. But for somebody to go from Lazarus' house to where Jesus was, was a walk. And if you was lucky to have a horse or something to ride to get to where he was, and then to go all the way back and let him know, it would be four days. But that was three days ago. And as Jesus enters, Martha runs to him and has this crazy conversation. Just like Pastor Josh said, if you would have been here, and I get it, he is, he's going to rise with the saints in the resurrection, and he says, I am the resurrection. I'm right here. And what's so amazing, she says that she agreed, and she spoke to him, and then it says that she went after that, she went and whispered into Mary's ear. Okay, hear me. Jesus is here, and he's asking for you. Jesus is here, and he's asking for you. And Mary hops up and takes off. But let me hit the brakes on that real quick. See, there's one point when Mary is at the feet of Jesus and knows her position and knows who he, who he is. But when things didn't go her way and the, and the miracle was in transit, she was butthurt. She didn't have nothing. She was so consumed by the situation, she didn't even realize he was already there and her sister already ran out to see him. Her sister had to get up in her ear and tell her that he was there and he was asking for her. How many times when it doesn't go your way, you got questions about God, you're mad about God or because it doesn't go right, because he might have done something great here, but this didn't add up. Because sometimes, like he, they have been saying, that delay is to get you out of the way. That delay gets you out of the way. And they question it. Well, what about this and what about that? And then when Jesus pulls up to the tomb, you're talking about eyewitnesses. He pulls up to the, to the tomb. And don't get me wrong, let me hit the brakes real quick. Because they were so moved and upset that their family member died. The shortest scripture in the Bible says Jesus wept. That's when kids were doing, trying to memorize scriptures, that was the first one. Jesus wept. But... He was moved because I just want to tell you, when you hurt, he hurts. He hurts for what you hurt for. He has compassion. And do you guys understand what just happened? He's dead. They're bawling their eyes out. Snotty, messy cry. And it said that he cried with them. Now, Jesus cried with them. I thought he was asleep. Why are you crying? Because no matter if they believe he's asleep or not, he still has compassion for what hurts you. And even though it doesn't add up and we don't know why things happen and why people get taken to the Lord and, and, and why things get healed and some don't get healed, I don't know. I can't answer those questions. But I can tell you no matter what, he still has compassion for you. And so they get to the tomb and he says, roll the stone away. 
And here we go one more time. Okay, now Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection. He said he's just asleep, and they're having all these conversations, and now we're getting closer to the conversation of, okay, now he's serious about this. He's about to roll the stone away. And then one of the girls is going to pipe up one more time and say, well, hold up. He's been, he's been in there for like four days. There's a stench in there. It's going to start to stink in there. It's hot out. The body's starting to do its thing. There is a stench in there. And he looks at Martha in her eyes. Show me that scripture, Christy. The look at Martha. Look at her in the eyes. Which is so crazy. He got down on her level. Uh, huh? John eleven forty. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Looks her, gets eye to eye, gets eye level with her and says, did I not tell you if you believe? Believe what? Believes what? Well, what did he say? What did he say when she ran out to him when the, he was on the edge of the city? I am the resurrection. And then he rose it back and it said, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? She asked a question yeah. and he gave her a question. Yeah. She was asking the question in the beginning, yeah. and he gave her a question. Yeah. But what he said before, I am right in front of you, the resurrection. He said, you don't have to wait for the end. No. We don't have to wait for the Some of us are waiting for the end. Oh, well, look, we're going to be resurrected. We don't have to no. wait for the end. He is, I am, right in front of us. Well, he wants to resurrect us in the moment now. Yes. And so he has them roll it back. Guys, we, we hear these stories, and I want to get, kind of make it real, real practical to you today. Say the, somebody you love dearly died, and Jesus says, okay, four days later, after it's all said and done, and bombing in the grave, I need you to get that shovel and dig them up out of that grave. Now hold up. We've already laid them in there. They've already closed it. They put the, the, we did our flowers. They put the dirt over it. We got... We're in the process here. This is covered now. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, hold up. You're going to ask me to come out here and dig up a grave in this grave plot and dig this thing up. But if you had already been here earlier, they wouldn't have went through that last step. Their, their death was a little hard. If you would have just been here in that moment, we could have, we could have saved them. We, not have this next step because when you see it the girls were already frustrated and mad because when the when the let's just we're being real about this when the casket goes in the grave and the dirt goes over it that's kind of like a closing moment and it hurts and you're crying and it's just like it's 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 final so mary and martha already had other, they had stages of moments of his death having to move him, having to get him to that, having to prepare him, and now they've wrapped him, and now he's laid, and then they rolled this stone, and there's a melt, meltdown. It's over. He's done. And if it's like today, if somebody was like, dig up the grave, we're going to raise him from the dead. What are you talking about, dig up the grave? They just buried this body. I'm not sitting here digging six feet in this ground, and it, it, it's been dead. It's stent, there's a stench, and I don't want to look at that face or that body like that. And so she's having this conversation. So guys, hear me. When this conversation, it was real. This is a real deal. We've already done all the, the things. We did all the oils and we did all the stuff. We wrapped him up and he spoke. He, when it was all said, he, they moved. They opened it up. Whether there was a stench or not, life sucked into his lungs. He said, Lazarus, come forth. I love what Pastor Josh said last time he spoke about this. He could have just said, come forth, and every grave would have opened up in the world. He had to be precise because he has that much authority. Well, that was the difference between Lazarus' resurrection and Jesus' resurrection. Absolutely. Because he just said Lazarus' name, Lazarus comes out. But when Jesus resurrected, it said many of the tombs were opened, and people walking. became eyewitnesses of their dead loved ones that had been dead for years coming back to life and walking in their house. The but like, I know Grandma died a few years ago. What the heck? Why is she here? I didn't have, Grandma, let me get you a plate. But he, you're right, because everybody became eyewitnesses to our family members who were dead. Read the scripture. It's amazing what happens. And when you become an eyewitness, you see it firsthand. 
Yes, I was there. I saw Mary and Martha. I saw the pain they had. I saw. I was there. I helped wrap Lazarus up. I helped put him in that tomb. But I also saw this man that came in and made us move the tomb and saw Lazarus hopping out of the tomb. And I also was there because it was like deja vu because now I'm unwrapping the man I wrapped up. Because what was crazy is his authority so strong that he could have said, Lazarus, come forth in all the grave clothes. He could have had a nice outfit on. Like when Jesus resurrected, it was a whole different outfit, a whole different deal. But the resurrection of Lazarus was different. He was still in the same clothes he died in. But what was amazing about that is it had to take people around him to help loose him. Can I say something to that? Because you're talking about hands and feet. We had a meeting this morning with hospitality. And I looked up the word, Brandon, in hospitality. In the Greek, guess what it means? Hospital. And as I was looking at that and I was thinking about hands and feet last night, I read that scripture last night. And how we are people that can help unravel people. We're the people that can help greet. I'm not talking about, oh, okay, we're going to greet. Hello, how are you? Good morning. I'm glad you're here. No, no, no. That's a routine. That becomes robotic instead of passionate. If we're really going to unravel somebody and he's calling them forth, then we have to be the hands and feet to that. We have to be the voice to that, to help unravel that. And hospitality in this whole house. So this is not about somebody greeting or hosting. This is hospitality to every person. It's a hospital. And we have to be the ones that are going to help unravel ones yeah. that sometimes we've raveled up. Yeah. And maybe in the bad way, we've been raveling them up, binding them up. Our own selves. Yeah. I want to tell this scripture real quick. In Romans eight twenty-two through 25, in the message, it says... All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pains. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than it di- waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. And this is all about being an eyewitness because you think about when a woman is pregnant and you watch as things go along. You don't see that baby in there. And you don't see exactly what's going on, but you are expectant that life and things are coming forth. And this is the same thing that God is doing with us in this earth. If you look at the fact of how things are being done in this world right now, especially with abortion and different things that are taking place all around, we as the church now more than any time have to be prominent and dominant in being the eyewitness account of who God is through our expectancy that we carry in our lives. That means that we have to be the ones that people will look to to say that even though they're waiting and they're yearning and they're growing and their bodies may be failing and things may not be working the way that they think they should be and every circumstance isn't perfect and no, they may not be rich and have all the money they want to and maybe their kids are not doing exactly what they had trained them up to do or maybe their job isn't working out exactly or maybe their marriage may be kind of falling apart but the hope that they have in Jesus Christ is giving an expectancy of who he is and what is to come that we can know that that hope will be what can further us on for the generations to take place see it's not about waiting we we are in a holding pattern and that is for real what you said earlier and I think the problem of it is is that we don't want to hold out for the good we don't want to hold out for what God's getting ready to do We're always waiting for the ball to drop and things to change and things to get worse. And our problem of it is, is we spend so much time on the negative instead of the hope of who Jesus Christ is. And I think if we would just focus and God began to speak to me and he said, if you were to be put in a lineup, if you were to be put in a lineup 
where somebody had to stand and look at you through that lineup as an eyewitness to you, would you be the one that they picked out that was evidence of Jesus Christ? Would you be the perpetrator that they could pick out, that they could say that I'm an eyewitness account because they stood for God? They did what was right. No matter whether things happened and they lost people and they had friendships that didn't work out and they had kids that didn't love God and they had things that were breaking and broken, could I look at you and say that I still can look and say that they love God? That they followed who he was? See, being an eyewitness just isn't about so that you can witness something happening, but what are you going to be to the difference? What are you going to do to create the change? See, the power of it is, is if you look and go on, and we didn't say this scripture, but I love it, is Jesus said in 41 and 42, so they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. This is Jesus speaking. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. It should be to create a domino effect that changes the circumstance. Again, like I said, this had nothing to do. I believe that Jesus, honestly, he didn't have to raise Lazarus. Lazarus was in a better place. He loved God. He served God. He wasn't struggling anymore. The death of Lazarus and the resurrection of Lazarus was more about the people so that they could see the truth of who God was. But the fact of it is, as he said, if you would have just believed, you would see the glory. We've got to get past the point of having to see everything so clearly in the natural that we begin to see it in the spiritual that it begins to reflect the natural. The spiritual should begin to come out in the natural. But the problem of it is, is because we don't see God do what we want him to do in the natural, then it physically devastates the spirit. That's why Mary stayed. She was upset. She, she was, was mad. And I'm not saying you can't be mad at God. Trust me, there have been times I've been mad at God, just being honest. And him and I have had words. Even to the point, Brandon walked in and he's like, are you okay? And I said, don't talk to me. I'm mad at God. He knows I'm mad at him. And he's not mad. I'm mad at him. We're just having it out right now. And then what happened is after I had my words with Jesus and then he had his words with me, we were good. I walked away. You did. Because the point about it is, is God's not mad that you're upset and things are going on. But what he doesn't like is when you begin to stay in that and you allow it to reflect who you are instead of him reflecting who you are. And that's the point of it. You're going to go through hard things and you're going to do things and have things come into your life that are devastating. And str struggle's going to happen. It will but are you willing to allow God to reflect in your life so that you can be an eyewitness to who he is so that others can be an eyewitness to who you are and who he is in you? But the, but the thing still plays out because if you, go, if you go to chapter 12 and you go to 17 through 19, now, now, now Jesus is on a donkey. Just go to the next chapter. Now Jesus is on a donkey. And they're saying, Hosanna in the highest. Verse 17, the crowd, this is in the message, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, was there giving eyewitness accounts. It was because they had spread the word, because it was because they spread the word of this latest God sign, latest witness that the crowd swelled up to a welcoming parade. The Pharisees took one look and threw up their hands. It's out of control. You ready to get things out of control? No. The world's in a stampede after him. You know what's interesting? The disciples were so upset in the beginning, Joshua, because they said, oh my gosh, we're not going back to that city, are we? That's where they tried to stone you. Here, they're nervous. And they're saying, no, I mean, we're not going to go back there, are you? There was already a domino effect that was already set in place from eyewitness to eyewitness to eyewitness to eyewitness. Then there become a stampede. Well, when you become an eyewitness and you share that, guess what happens? There should be a swelling of the crowd. It's time to swell up in here. It should be swelling up in here. Because if you're an eyewitness to what God is doing, it should start swelling up. 
Well, and something I, he may not know that I noticed it, but on Facebook, I noticed that you're on a youth pastor's thing that's on there. And I was scrolling through and I saw that it had popped up and it was a thing about youth pastors and it was just asking, you know, share with me, share with me your struggles and the things that are going on that COVID has really caused for youth ministry. And I loved the response that Pastor Josh put on there. And he, all he said was that COVID, yes, can give you problems, he said, but when you focus on what you don't have instead of what you do, what happens is you dwell in that lack. And he said, we have chose to focus on what we do have. And because of that, now we're growing, the youth are changing, things are happening, and the glory of God is resting. And what happened in that moment was because of his eyewitness account of what's happened here, now it reflected out to the people and caused a swelling. And after that, I really didn't see any negative comments. I didn't see anybody else put a whole bunch of other stuff on there. And not because of that, but we are not in a place in this time and error to be coming together so that we can have a committee of all our negative past comments and negative things. We have to be the ones who change the atmosphere and give out the positive of Jesus Christ. Just like Lazarus, death was not fun. It is never fun. Things that happen in our lives that are devastating are never fun. But what God came and did was brought a positive to cause the negative things to begin to turn around. That's what God means when he says he's going to turn things, all things, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you choose to walk in him and be called by him and do as he asks and be obedient to him and follow the mission, then he changes everything all things not yep. that doesn't mean he wiped it away it no. still happened but he turned it for the good of who he is um small small thing and then i'm gonna give you this and we're gonna end lazarus still died <laughs> again god used him as an example for a purpose that shifted everything i mean that 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 moment shifted all of history because it was setting up for the grand, grand, grand prize. The resurrection of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God wants to use you no matter what. Clear your table. Start over. Let him, let him set it right. I didn't give you this, but I'm going to read it anyway. It, I have to go back to chapter 11, verse... I can't see that. I'm just going to read it. <laughs> no, seriously. With my glasses on, I can't see it. Okay, thank you. I'm so glad you can see that. Lord, resurrect my eyes. Uh, so anyway, verse 45. <laughs> I did. From that day forward, many of those who had come to visit Mary believed in him, for they had seen with their own eyes this amazing miracle. Watch this. But a few went back to inform the Pharisees about what Jesus had done. So the Pharisees and the chief priests called a special meeting. When was the last time somebody called a special meeting because you made them mad because of your witness? Woo. So the Pharisees and the chief priests called a special meeting of the high council and said, what are we going to do about this man? Man, I started looking at that and I'm like, my God. It started making me think of really what Jesus was doing was he was setting up the, the disciples to get ready to become a witness because Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says... And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall become my you shall become my witnesses all over the earth is what he's saying. You're going to be a specific witness and you're going to show people who I really am. I'm killing something in you so that I can resurrect in you and you can become a reflection of who I am in the earth. And when you become that reflection, it's going to begin to wake up the dead things in people around you and it's yeah. going to cause life to come again. Stand with us. We're going to... Go ahead. Listen. When was the last time the religious start talking about you and having a meeting about you because you're starting to be a reflection of who he is in the earth and they don't like it. The reason the Pharisees didn't like Jesus is because they were supposed to be able to do what he could, but because of their religiosity, they couldn't. God is trying to kill some stuff in you because he wants to raise you up into the reflection of who you were created to be. I believe more than anything 
that God is trying to stir up the DNA he put in you so that you can become the mercy seat that he sits on so that you can become a witness in the earth of what he wants to do in other people's lives. I start thinking about this. 24 years ago, I walked to a church, laid my life down before him. He set me free, but I went back to the place where I was living and there were 40 drunken high people laying in a floor. And when I, when I walked in there, the first thing out of their mouth is, my God, what happened to you? They became an eyewitness to the resurrection power of who Christ Jesus is. And they got to watch my life transform. My, even my own mom and even my dad, who's no longer with us, at one point said, oh, it'll only last for a couple weeks. He'll go back to drinking. He'll go back to doing drugs. But then months later, the eyewitness of what they saw and what they heard coming out of my mouth changed even them. So your non-Christian friends became an eyewitness to what God is doing in your life. They saw it. And even today. They saw it. Any non-Christian friends you have are an eyewitness to what All God is doing to you now. I've got a friend right now. We call him Juice. Jerome Seniors. He lives over in Columbus, Indiana. One of my great friends back then, he calls me now. And we talk, and he tells me all the time, man, bro, be praying for me, please. I'm really going through some stuff. See, the witness in me can call out the seed in them. Are you hearing me? Let the witness in you call the seed out in them. Maybe you feel broken right now. Maybe you feel beat up right now. But it's okay. Because resurrection just walked in the house. Amen. We're going to worship just for a few minutes, and then I'm going to close in prayer. But listen, kids, teenagers, adults, you're a witness. Be the eyewitness. See, later there was a story where Jesus is sitting at a table with some Pharisees and a couple of the disciples and all kinds of people. Lazarus was there. It started to swell up a little bit because two things was happening. I need to see what I've heard. There was an eyewitness that told me that this Lazarus man raised from the dead, and I heard he's in this house, and a, there was another man that raised him, and I want to see for myself if he's here. Got to read the story because it's amazing what happens from an eyewitness, and it starts to swell up. And I don't know, later we'll get into some more of this, but God's wanting to swell us up. Not just swell up because you got muscles. I'm talking about swell up the people because the eyewitness and the account of what God is doing. It's your time to open your mouth for what God has done. Be the eyewitness. You've seen the things God's done here. You've seen what God has done in your own life. Be the eyewitness. And I love it because what happens is, like he said, your non-Christian friends will be eyewitnesses to you. How? Because you don't respond the way they respond. Because you might set the standard instead of blurred lines. There's an obvious line now. I'm better doing the other thing. I'm not going to live like this anymore. Eyewitness. Something happened to him. I wonder what happened to him. Something happened. They start talking. I was an eyewitness. I saw it with my own eyes. He did not pick that drink up. He chose not to do it. Something's changed because that man drinks. An eyewitness. But it all went down to this. It's so good because Jesus doesn't get way up here and act like you can't reach him. He, he stoops down. He gets eye level with you. Didn't I tell you you're going to see the glory of God? Didn't I tell you? No matter how tall or how short you are, I don't care if you're Zacchaeus. When he hopped off that tree, he's going to squat down. I'm coming to your house today. Let's worship real quick, and then I'm going to pray. Let us be the eyewitness. Let God challenge you because was that good today, eyewitness? I'm telling you, it's so powerful that we can be the eyewitness. There, we have to guard the evidence, but there's an eyewitness to what we're guarding. We got to see it, and we got to share it.